This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hey there, folks, and welcome to Dealer News Today. This is episode two of season five. You know, we have so many great past episodes and seasons with amazing guests, so make sure you go to dealernewstoday.com to catch up on all of those. A lot of insightful stuff for sure. Also, follow DNT on Instagram at Dealer News Today. And of course, I'm your host, Derek D. If you'd like to get some more info about me, DerekD.com is the place to do that. But right now, we are focusing on our guest for this episode, and we are jumping more into the financial aspect of automotive with this one, not a dealership owner or anything like that. So please welcome the auto analyst for Citigroup, Itai McKaylee, to the show. Great to have you on, man. How you doing? Doing well. Great to be on. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. First, let's just talk about you for a second. Where Where are you originally from? Well, I was actually born in Israel, um, and uh, family moved here oh, wow. when uh, I was six years old, and and kind of lived and grew up in the uh, the tri-state area since then. Oh, tri-state area. Okay, me. I'm in Jersey too. Where uh, Where Where are you now? Yeah, so, so work in New York and, and do live in Jersey. So probably not not too far from you. Kind of do the the commute here every once in a while. Are, are, so you're in the city right now? Right now, I'm I'm, I'm in in Jersey uh, at home. Uh, but yeah. I've been going in you know, maybe three times a week, and uh, we've been traveling again, so it, it, it feels almost normal. So it's yeah, <laughs> it kind of seems the standard now. People are like when they go to the office, it's not five days a week; it's only a few days a week, and it's kind of getting back because they realize you don't really need to be in the office every single day. You know, so where in Jersey are you? Uh, Westfield. Oh, Westfield. Okay. One, as we all know, your exit one thirty-five on the Parkway. Everyone knows like what. Uh, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what exits you are? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I live in wall slash belmar so exit 98 or 100 okay. right by the beach nice so, yeah born born and raised in neptune but now live uh yeah now live here so where'd you uh where'd you go to school and stuff went to college uh in nyu in the city um mm-hmm. and uh yeah so which, which was a, a lot of fun and then kind of just started uh actually working at, at city right right after and in, in different roles and in in the kind of research uh, sphere started actually doing with with bonds for many years uh, mm-hmm. and worked my way to, to stocks uh, kind of in late 2007 uh, so yeah I kind of stayed local I guess uh, in, in this area yeah well, that's fine so so basically you know your your trajectory trajectory was you know exactly what you're doing it wasn't like you went to college for one thing and then came out and doing something different and you said right after school you went right with city and you've had a couple different titles in there since then. Yeah, it's it, I actually always kind of concentrated in finance and, and did some accounting for a while. But uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of kind of stayed went, went right into um, you know what, what now is sitting down. Obviously, it was, it was Solomon Smith Barney initially when when I was there. Um, but yeah, kind of started in in analyzing companies and and uh, first with on, on the corporate bond side or the fixed income side, which which is pretty cool. You, you kind of look at companies differently uh, from a different angle, and then sort of. Expanded out to the the equity or the stock coverage uh, in late 07 and kind of been, been doing that since on the kind of the auto mobility side. So it's been uh, it's been a fun journey. Right. How long have you been in the auto side? You, you know, even from the, the very early days, uh, again, I was a junior coming out, of course, uh, out of college, but was, was actually working on, on the auto side. Uh, so I still remember the, uh, you know, 2001, some of the, the initial restructuring programs that the, hmm. the car companies had announced. Um, so I got to see it both from that kind of credit perspective, uh, including through some of the distressed and bankruptcies you saw, of course, uh, later on that, that decade. Um, and, and then, you know, sort of 
the, the, the sector's transformation over the past several years and, and, and ongoing for, from there. Yeah. So kind of got to see it for a long time and from different vantage points, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. Interesting. Just curious. And I asked this to everyone on the show, since you're in the auto realm, you know, obviously you're, you're not a dealership owner or work at a dealership or anything like that, but were you, did the reason you wanted to go into that area for Citigroup because you enjoy cars? Are you a car guy? Or you, do, you, do, you, do you love cars? You just love the business around it and the finance aspect. You know, I always liked the, you know, initially coming out of it, the complexity of the industry, that it, it always felt to me like an industry, even till today, that you're always learning, right? Sure. Um, and which, which was cool. Like, like it was like I actually early on even looked at a number of other sectors. Some were interesting, but autos was always it was a large sector, a ton of revenue, right? A lot of mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but but back then and even now again, a lot of always issues, questions about the future. You know, even twenty years ago, there were a lot of questions about the different questions that we have today, but questions about you know where the industry was going. Um, and so I always found it really complex, really interesting. Uh, and even now, I find myself occasionally going back to things we wrote or studied 10, 15 years ago to learn lessons from. Um, so hmm. over the years, it, it just became this sort of really fascinating um, kind of challenge intellectually. Right? Like, part, you know, part of what we do is try, we try to find opportunities, analyze risk-reward, uh, make shorter-term and longer-term uh, views. And so autos uh, then and now is always a, a large yet yet complex and and, and always uh, changing and, and therefore we're always learning uh, within that. So it's been uh, it's been, it, it, it's always interesting in this space for sure. Yeah, well, no two days are the same. It seems like so. Uh, you you just enjoy cars in general. It seems like maybe all the new technology and stuff that's in cars now. You know. Yeah, I think to now particularly with all the technology that's out there, right? It, it's almost hard not yeah. not to enjoy. You know, whether it's electric or or active safety or, or level two plus and all these new features over the air updates. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard not to kind of, you know, really you know, delve in when, when you're looking at, at, at a lot of this all, all day. But uh, I, to, to me, I think, I think just, you know, just to watch technology and the change. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, last few years has, has been, yeah, it has been really cool. And, 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 you know, kind of knowing that it's still the earlier days of, of what's to come and, and to see how, you know, ideas that, that were talked about years ago are now kind of in the vehicles being implemented. So, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. yeah, it really is cool. I mean, you're basically driving around you know, computers. And then, you know, now with electric cars and, and all that stuff, it's just getting more and more, you know, technologically advanced and it's uh, super cool. It's like, you know, we, it's in the, <laughs> we are in the future now, you know, with that stuff besides flying cars, you know, basically the technology is, is just in, in, incredible. Um, so, so you're an auto analyst for Citigroup to give listeners a clear idea. What is your responsibilities uh, being an auto analyst for Citigroup? And, and, and what does your typical day look like? Sure. So we, we cover um, uh, the, the stocks of the publicly traded companies, automakers, suppliers, um, uh, you know, some of the, the EV charging companies as well. Um, you know, we looked at rideshare as well. And and so, you know, we, hmm. we, we, you know, we kind of, we basically, our, our job ultimately is to, to make views and recommendations on, on the stocks and try to assess, um, you know, risk reward and try to find opportunities. It, it could be both you know, 12-month opportunities, we could focus on short-term opportunities as well, you know, keeping in mind long-term thematics and, you know, that, that, that particularly apply to, to autos. Um, and so we try to, you know, help our clients as, as best we can uh, day in, day out in, in whichever way is, is most helpful for them. So sometimes, you know, your day could be just, an, you know, analyzing earnings. It could be uh, thinking about thematic ideas. 
um, you know, uh, interacting with uh, investors in, 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 these, uh, in, in these companies. Um, so as, as you kind of mentioned, no, no two days are the same, and that's certainly true in, in this role. Because <laughs> um, there's a lot of different things that you kind of, you know, we'll, we'll focus on each particular day, but broadly what you're trying to do is, is understand where the industry is going, forecast correctly, uh, you know, to try to get the stocks uh, right and, and, and ultimately have a, have a good understanding of, of really risk reward at, at the end of the day, uh, companies sure. are following uh, to understand how trends you know, may or may not affect them and, and, and how it might affect companies uh, you know, more than others. So a lot of different approaches and angles to it. It's, it's you know, it, it's a science and to some extent an art as well. Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's certainly a creativity element w- within the role as well, which again makes it really interesting. Yeah. Do you, when you say clients, do you work directly with dealer franchises or, or, or owners, or you're talking about actual, you know, automotive companies? No. So, so our clients would be the, the investor, like institutional investors um, in, in, in the public securities. So, so the, the, you know, those investing in, in, in the companies and the, the stocks. And in, in this case, uh, we of course will interact with the industry very regularly. Um, you know, the companies we cover, you know, even companies we don't cover, different industry contacts we have. And so, uh, you know, our clients are the institutional investors, but but in covering uh, you know, the, the, the automotive uh, space, you know, we, we actually have to be very much on top of, uh, yeah. of the industry and the companies. And so we're, we're interacting with them uh, pretty much every day. Yeah. There's been some rising interest rates in the housing sector, you know, and I, I don't know if that's the declining a little bit now or not, but how are rising interest rates impacting the cost of, you know, doing business and the overall health in the, in the automotive sector? Yeah, no, it, it, it's a good question. And something we, we track, you know, there's been a lot of really interesting dynamics in, in, in the, when you think about auto demand and auto pricing over the last couple of years. And I think one, one of the, the trends that, that we identified in, in some of our survey work starting, we've done, done the survey for, for over a decade, but really began to see it Literally, when COVID began, I think it was May 2020, is this this trend of of what we think is is, is auto demand. March 2020, uh, May, May of 2020. Yeah, we ran we ran a survey, so a few months kind of. Oh, you yeah, ran a survey. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're we're still kind of. I, I think you know all, all working from home and kind of up or down. Yeah, but, that's but we for began sure. you know seeing this trend of of auto demand creation from things like deurbanization, people maybe moving out of cities. Um, and, and we think, you know, one of the reasons why auto sales and automotive pricing have held up so well, and, and, and even you know, more recently, as you pointed out, in the face of rising interest rates, is, and I think this point often gets lost in some of the conversations uh, in the space, is that we have seen, we believe from, from our survey work, actual auto demand creation, right, which we typically have not necessarily seen in, 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 in different down cycles of the, of the economy. Um, and, and, you know, and, and effectively, as, as this demand's created, um, it, it's, all, it, it, it's also coincided, as you know, with supply constraints, right? The semiconductor shortage, of course, the shutdowns. That oh, right. And the chip shortage, exactly, all that stuff. The, the, and even, of course, the COVID shutdown back in 2020. And so we've had a couple of years here for different reasons where production of new vehicles has been constrained. At a time when we believe, at least from our survey work, that auto demand has been expanding in part due to trends like deurbanization, and so that's left a very, very kind of tight supply-demand environment. And so, you've, and to your point, there's been some, you know, you know, kind of headwinds to affordability from rising interest rates. But at the same time, we've seen very strong used vehicle prices, which we think is a function of that tight supply-demand 
that I recognize. Oh, for sure. Um, and it's overall still left the industry with with pretty good pricing. So I think when we think about you know rates, we, we try to think about it in 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 kind of totality of all the other drivers of of both auto demand as well as kind of pricing and, and monthly payment affordability. So what's happening with the length of loan terms? What's happening with residual values and trading values? So tracking used vehicle prices and understanding what, you know why they might be going up or down. So it's getting getting a, a big picture view of of demand, which we can talk about. Um, and, and, and other factors as well, even gas prices, which yeah. have recently come down as well. For sure. Yeah. So how does the supply and demand problem, you know, the chip shortage, you know, you got the inventory issues affect what you do, or are you just not really affected by that? And you're just on the analytical side or has it affected your job at all as well? Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, the, what happens, of course, to sales and pricing will affect the revenue of the companies that we follow, uh, you know, you know, which will, of course, and, and the overall profit margins, and therefore earnings per share, and, and the cash that the companies can generate, which has implications for for stock prices, and also just bigger picture mm-hmm. thinking about what's going on with with auto demand. You, you know, years ago there was a lot of concern in in the industry. I'm sure you'll recall about you know what, what is the era of of um, kind of the love for the car gone? Are we all going to move towards more shared mobility platforms? Um, and, and it was a lot of concern about just just kind of structural declines in auto demand. Um, and you kind of now you kind of step back and look back. It, you know, auto demand is continuing to, to to grow, and and probably the best and most important metric to follow is the ratio of vehicles per household or vehicles per driver, what we call kind of vehicle density, uh, which is which is what our survey hmm. tracks. Um, and so so that, that those of course affect our, our view too around structurally where auto demand is going, which uh, you know affects the, the companies. Uh, that we, we we follow and, and therefore is very pertinent to it. Wow. What we do. So, yeah, that's, there's a lot of it seems like a lot of technical stuff in there that's like beyond my, you know, my my, my realm. But from your perspective, what are where are valuations headed in? You know, when there's not much time left to 2022, but into 2023, do you? And this might not be your realm, but do you see dealership valuations rising or kind of just staying the course where they are? Yeah, so we, we don't cover the dealership, so I wouldn't, wouldn't comment on, on, on those particularly. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, we do cover the automakers, suppliers. And I think what people are trying to kind of, I mean, automotive valuations, like from what we cover, again, automakers and suppliers, you know, historically have been you know lower than other uh, kind of industrial and other sectors. And of course, the market overall, right, this is an industry that historically has had uh, kind of lower margins, a lot of competition, a lot of regulatory pressure. Obviously, back in you know nine, there was, there was a track record of some bankruptcies, and and so you know it is an industry that, that it's super interesting because you know there's a lot of technological change, and some of it could be really good for valuations in theory, and some of it could be bad. Right, so we're always trying to figure out you know who might be the leaders and laggards within that that change. Um, you know, and, and as well as kind of where we're going from an economic perspective. And, and today, again, super interesting because by all accounts, a lot of the metrics like in the U.S. are strong, right? Like demand and pricing and profit margins have all been strong, even though, you know, there's certainly pressure points on the economy. And so, you know, what people are kind of trying to figure out in our world, too, is, is as, as auto production maybe starts to recover, what does that do to pricing and, and how does that potentially affect valuations? Um so, hmm. so it's sort of like, it, 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 you know, we could probably talk about it forever, but it, it's really kind of a dynamic in our world of the, the macro or, or, or cyclical perspective, just, hey, what's happening to the economy and what's going to happen to auto demand and, and pricing and, 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 and just all these really important uh, inputs into valuation while at the same time also considering 
the next five and 10 years with autonomous and electric and shared mobility um, and, and what happens there. You know, the exciting part when you think about valuation is, you know, when, when the more, uh, you know, kind of techie the auto industry gets, right, the more technology comes mm-hmm. into the day-to-day of, of what a vehicle is and what a mobility service is, um, you know, the, you know the, the winners within that over time, it, you know, in theory should, should, should be rewarded with a much higher valuation than what we've seen in the automotive industry in the past, and that definitely makes it an, an exciting space. Yeah, well, piggybacking off what you just said, you know, say, you know, looking ahead, what brands do you see that are earning higher valuations, domestic, uh, mainstream brands, or is it like luxury and, and foreign? Yeah, I mean, right, right now, a lot of the focus in our world is around electric vehicles, and so you see some of the valuations sure. there. Um, and so today, there's a huge focus on, hey, look, the electric vehicles are the future, and you could have different views on, on what the penetration or, or percentage of EVs that will sell in, in different years are, but but we all know kind of in, 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 where it's going. And so a lot of it, I think, really just comes down to, um, you know, to the perceptions and realities around different companies' positioning within that. Um, and, 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 yeah, and I think increasingly also within the EV space, right, it's not just about a, a, a shift to a different propulsion system. It is a focus on software and particularly on autonomy. Uh, you know, our actually view is that autonomy could be more disruptive than just EV on its own. Um, so this is sort of when you say autonomy, you like mean self-driving cars. Yeah, self-driving. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, that's what I thought. You know, and eventually when you you get to, to sort of you know a, a real self-driving car, and I always say I define myself a, a true autonomous or it's called level four self-driving car is a vehicle that is safer uh, than a human being yet can still drive and operate like a human being in terms of, of the speed and kind of aggressiveness sure. uh, and natural behavior. So there's there's definitely different definitions of, of what you need to, to get to to call yourself a self-driving car. We, we, we've written about what we think that the right definition should be. Um, th- and that could be really um, disruptive o- over time. And so increasingly, there's also a focus in, in terms of valuation differences in terms of who people think may be better or worse positioned uh, for that. Um, because you know today a, a car you know the, the, the car company of today we think in the U.S. you know only captures about forty percent, um, you know roughly forty percent of, of the lifetime revenue that a vehicle will generate. And when you think about creating this vehicle from a clean sheet of paper, electric, uh, you know full, fully autonomous and self-driving eventually, and of course very much connected, you can recreate the industry, recreate the business model. Uh, to potentially capture a much, much greater market share uh, of, of the lifetime revenue uh, beyond that 40% that exists today. And so we think the battle in the next 10 plus years isn't just on market share, the way we, we look at it today, who sold more vehicles and, and, and going through all that, right. but who's able to capture a far greater share of the lifetime revenue of vehicle that, that, that today is not really available to an automaker. And, and that's where a lot of this technology, particularly around self-driving cars, will be really interesting and, and really impactful. Yeah, well, I, I think self-driving cars, that's great and that's great and super cool. But you're right, it has to be fully safe. And, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where just with a push of a button, the person in the driver's seat can take over fully. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because EVs, they only account for about 5% right now of of sales. And, you know, I think they said, I, I was talking about this with someone on the show last time, uh, that by 2020, by 2040, 
they want 50, they think 50% projected will be EVs. And I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think that, you know, 50%, that's huge. I mean, what's, what's your thought on that? Yeah. I, I mean, certainly when you look at the, the regulations in the U S and, and even some of the recent you know, subsidies, you know, we, we, our forecast has been for the U S in particular, I, I think we're somewhere around 50% by 2030. And, and, and obviously if you look at some of the hmm. public um, forecasts and targets that, that the car companies have put out, it, it would go, you know, higher than that, you know, beyond 2030. And again, some of it's driven by by kind of zero emission uh, vehicle regulations, et cetera. Um, but, but but also, you know, I think increasingly we are seeing adoption, of, you know, kind of inflecting higher. Um, you know, what, one interesting thing about the U.S. is that, you know, we, we've kind of lagged uh, the, the, the world in, in electric vehicle adoption. But theoretically, and it's really interesting to think about this, we, 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 we should be in theory much, much more ahead than where we are today for, for the one reason that is that we have, and I kind of alluded to a little bit before, you know, the highest vehicle density or, or, or number of cars per household um, in the world, right. about two, two vehicles per household. And so, again, in theory, if we all woke up tomorrow and said, well, I've got two vehicles per household, maybe I'll do one EV and, and the other non-EV, that alone, right, would generate a lot of incremental, like a ton of incremental. Demand, oh, for sure. Um, across the U.S. and 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 you still have the option, you know, if, if for the longer trips or in the winter, right? What, what, you know, for all, all the the issues people often bring up with EVs, to still have a secondary vehicle. So more vehicles per household, we think in theory, should be a positive for EV adoption, and and we'll and, and we'll watch for that. But the other thing too is that, like, I think whereas years ago the the debate in our world at least was. What's demand going to look like, et cetera, for EV? To today, you, you know, it's, it's really more about supply, right? Around like, will there be enough batteries, or be you know, the, the, can supply chain kind of come up and mature enough to to support the these uh, these numbers? So yeah, it's kind of where, where we're right. at. Um, but yeah, but I think what we're seeing, you know, the the, the adoption is, is 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 growing, and again, in the U.S. in particular, you can build this sort of seemingly overnight upside case for uh, for adoption. Yeah, I you know. I, I, I think EVs are great. They're fun. But the, for, for a lot of those households, it also comes down to what, what, what you're using it for. If your commute to work's not that far, you know, then that's that's a great, you know, um, argument for an EV. If you, you know, have to commute a ton and it's very far, then you, you might, I mean, that it might be different. But also, you know, obviously the technology is getting better and better. The, the range is getting longer and longer. So I definitely see that number going up. But I always think there's, it's always... There's always going to be both, you know, in my, in my opinion, um, obviously the infrastructure has to get better for it as well, but you know, I think, uh, EVs are great and I think it's, they're actually absolutely going to, you know, um, pick up in sales for sure. You know, they're, you get the incentives for them and everything. And, uh, but I always think it, you know, you're always going to have both and, and hybrids obviously are best of both worlds kind of thing, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, th this is great. It's always interesting to get insight from someone that's more on the the finance and the analytical side, because that's not really my forte. So it's interesting to hear you talk about all these ins and outs of how that works. Uh, before we get going, is there any other you know insights and market drivers in general or anything that uh, you, you wanted to add? Yeah, no, I, th I think we covered, yeah, again, a lot of interesting uh, dynamics today uh, because there's so many, you know, you mentioned rates, and there's so many um, different parts of, of the, the the input right into kind of where with the near-term demand equation that that everyone's just trying to kind of solve for uh, at a time to your point where things are changing still rapidly 
over the longer mm. term uh, on autonomous on electric uh, on connectivity and, and ultimately software uh, so it, it is a uh, it is exciting times, and 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 certainly, I think the one thing, every you know, depending on, no matter what anyone's view is on on the success of different technologies, I think we all just certainly enjoy watching some of the you know new product entries come in. All oh, the stuff sure. that's coming in has definitely gotten, gotten you know really exciting, and um, and so you know I'm sure we'll see a lot more of that in the industry in the next six months, and uh, it should be yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where 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 it goes. You know, uh, the, the last couple of years have been. Very crazy, you know, with COVID and everything in the pandemic, but it, it really opened up a lot of new ways of doing business and stuff like that, new ways to, you know, perceive and look at things. And I think it's, uh, you know, we're headed for definitely some some interesting stuff, especially in the technology realm and EVs and all that. But uh, Itai McKaylee, thank you so much for coming on Dealer News today. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Come back, uh, you know, anytime. It's always interesting to hear about this stuff. Awesome. Sounds great. Take care. Have a good one. You too. That's Etai McKaylee, the auto analyst for Citigroup. Definitely a guy that knows all the ins and outs of what's going on financially in the automotive industry and market. Appreciate him coming on. Uh, make sure you follow the show on social media at Dealer News Today. Also, check out DCGGiving.com, an amazing cause and an opportunity for local dealerships to give back to their community and fight children's cancer. That's DCGGiving.com. I'm your host, Derek D. DerekD.com for all my stuff. Thanks for listening, everybody, and until next time, this is Dealer News Today.